Welcome to the Family Law Now podcast. I'm Russell Alexander. We're doing something new today. This is new to us. We usually focus on substantive legal processes and pithy legal subjects. Uh, but today we're going to talk about a movie called The Marriage Story. I want to thank our three guest speakers today. Brian Galbraith, thank you for being here. Owner of Galbraith Family Law. Brian is a collaboratively trained lawyer with offices in Newmarket, Barrie, and new offices now in Toronto. I want to thank Abby Adusi, who is a trained collaborative family lawyer as well. Abby has offices in Peterborough and the Durham region on, in Ontario. Thank you for being here with us this afternoon. Thank you. Finally, I'd like to thank Jonathan Painter, an accredited family mediator and registered social worker with collaborative practice training. He's also a member of the Collaborative Practice Institute. Jonathan has offices in Newcastle and Peterborough and serves the Central East region. Thanks, Russ. So today we're talking about Marriage Story Deconstructed. The movie storyline, it was produced by Heyday Films and Netflix with a budget of $18.6 million. Charlie Barber, played by Adam Driver, is a successful theater director in New York City. Nicole, played by Scarlett Johansson, is a former teen actress. The couple is experiencing marital troubles and sees a mediator who suggests they each write down what they like about one another. But Nicole is too embarrassed to read hers aloud and they decide to forego counseling. Nicole is offered a starring role in television pilot in Los Angeles and goes there with their child. While in Los Angeles, Nicole hires Nora Fairshaw, played by Lauren Den, a family lawyer. Charlie meets with Jay Moretta, played by Ray Lolita, a brass and expensive lawyer who urges Charlie to fight dirty. Later, Charlie returns to Los Angeles and hires Bert Spitz, played by Alan Alda, an empathetic and retired family lawyer who favors a civil and conciliatory approach. Nancy Katz, played by Martha Kelly, is a, an appointed expert evaluator and monitors a night with Charlie and Henry. One of the central legal issues in the movie and their divorce case is jurisdiction and whether the child should be moved from his home in New York City to Los Angeles so mom can pursue her career. The wife's lawyer, Nora, in her comments during trial prep were interesting. She says the idea of a good father was invented 30 years ago. Fathers are expected to be silent, absent, unreliable, and selfish. She is brass and cunning and has a good knowledge of family law. Charlie's first lawyer, Jay, that's play, played by Ray Lolita. I thought it was a good choice in terms of an actor. Uh, he's portrayed as a dirty, aggressive lawyer. His legal strategy in this case, uh, in their first meeting, I think may have been the correct one. In my view, New York City was clearly the right jurisdiction for reasons I'm gonna set out later when we do our mobility analysis. Uh, a couple funny scenes, one, one scene when he says, my rate's 9.50 an hour and his junior lawyer, Ted, is 400. So if you have any stupid questions, ask Ted. Uh, I thought that was, um, you know, telling in terms of the expense of litigation. He was concerned, the lawyer, Jay, was concerned from starting from a point of reasonableness 
Uh, he says they're starting from a point of crazy, so they're going to end up somewhere between reasonable and crazy, which is crazy. So this is sort of his mindset when he takes on the file. Overall, I think the character accurately portrayed many lawyers that I've come across who are extremely litigious. It doesn't make them bad lawyers. Uh, it just means that's their nature and that's the way they choose to litigate. We have collaborative practice training. We choose to do things differently. Jane wanted to take the slash and burn approach to litigation. Uh, I find that these lawyers usually do not finish the files. The clients usually run out of money. The clients usually end up retaining somebody else or representing themselves when the money's all spent. Um, the burn rate in terms of fees are quite, gets quite expensive when you have uh, litigation strategies as the one that Jay was uh, proposing at the beginning in their first meeting. So that was my take on Jay. What did you think, Abby? What was your um, view of that lawyer? Um, I, I, I agree with you. Um, but when he said, oh, let's, let's get a private investigator, I was alarmed. You know, they, you know you're going to try and find something where there isn't any um, potentially and I guess his ethos is starting from the point of you know he's, he thinks they're going to land in crazy city so he's putting all the stops out um, and yes you know he's very expensive um, and his assistant may not be as expensive he's you know I think both of them are expensive anyway but there was no um, there was no give, I guess, I don't know. There was no give as to all of these things that I'm trying to encourage my client to do are these things that he can afford and does he really want them? Um, and his fight um, was clear from the beginning because Charlie, the, the husband had said to, to the lawyer that my wife is being represented by Nora. So it was the law, it was because of the two, you know, the, the kind of the ego between the two lawyers. Okay, because it's the lawyer, that's how I'm going to approach this file, and this is what we're going to do, rather than what, what does the client want, and how do, how do we achieve that either in a collaborative or even in litigation? Yeah, that seems to be a common theme. What about you, Brian? What's your take on Jay? Well, he we see lots of these kinds of lawyers and they're the ones that uh, give family law lawyers a bad reputation because mm -hmm. they, they make a, a mountain out of a molehill. They'll make a small issue into a big issue. And uh, he was uh, interested in getting to crazy, which is not what any client wants. <laughs> they want to get to sanity mm -hmm. and, uh, and they want some, some um, peace. And uh, he, was, he was not going to take them there. Mm -hmm. And because uh, that's his practice. And uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, a lot of people take this approach to practicing law. Right. Jonathan? Yeah, one of the most interesting uh, scenes in the movie for me was when they were in the hallway of the courthouse uh, just before the hearing. And uh, Charlie's lawyer and um, um, uh, uh, Nicole's lawyer were sort of chatting with each other in the hallway. Mm -hmm. and um, being super friendly and talking about how they had uh, spent the weekend with each other and making plans to, to hang out socially. And then they walk into the, into the room and they're just vicious with each other. And mm -hmm. uh, watching the parents' reaction to that is very, very interesting. And I think uh, 
you know, Brian's right. Like that, that would, uh, that would really give a, a lot of lawyers bad names. And um, I, you know, I, I think law is probably very different down in LA than it is up here. And, you know, if you're, if you're in a small uh, town court, like in Lindsay or Peterborough or Coburg, I can't imagine the judge having very much patience with the, the way that they were going back and forth with each other there. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, but we need to be mindful of that, right? We're professionals and we're colleagues. I'll see Abby and we'll be in the courthouse and we'll be nicey nice and talk about where we're going to have lunch or whatever. And clients get suspect, right? It's like, why are you being so nice to the lawyer on the other side? Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, they're worried you're not going to fight for them. Right. So I think, that little interchange, that little exchange, I think Hollywood got it right. You're still professionals, but you're advocates at the same time, but the public doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. perceive it that way. Yeah. The other thing I found interesting about Jay's firm, we see this in a lot of bigger centers. You know, they take this team approach to litigation. They'll have mm -hmm. a senior lawyer, maybe a named partner, and then one or two junior lawyers on the file. Sometimes they'll come to court and carry the, the, the suitcase or briefcase for the for the other lawyer and you get a team approach to the litigation right so that increases the expense as well all right let's talk about uh charlie's second lawyer bert this is uh i think your topic brian this is alan yeah, bert, alda. Bert, bert was played by alan alda and uh, uh i i most certainly uh, uh identified more closely with this lawyer than the other ones in, in marriage story. I, some of the things that uh, Bert said, uh, I've said, and I thought w was great. And, uh, but it, it was interesting. One of the things that I noted he was talking about and kind of became comic is he was saying, you know, well, you should, you should get an apartment in LA because uh, it would look better for the court. And uh, Charlie would say, well, are we going to court? And he, no, no, we just sort of have to prepare for court, and, but we're not going to court. And he kept saying that over and over again. And uh, I've done that too, right? And I, and I see how, how uh, ironic it must be to the client to, to hear us say that, that we need to prepare for court, uh, but we're not going to court. And I, th I think that's telling about why collaborative practice is so much better because the professionals are not allowed to go to court. And so we're not talking about setting a scene or uh, putting your best foot forward in case the matter goes to court because there's such a deep commitment in the collaborative process to not going to court because uh, if the clients go to court, the lawyers are out of a job. So they, the lawyers certainly aren't threatening court or preparing court for court because they're not going to court. And so that was one of the, the uh, elements that stood out for me with Bert. And another one, I, I enjoyed the fact that he, he said, oh, you know, I've done this four times, uh, three divorces, but this one's going to stick. And I, I felt, uh, felt sorry for old Bert. I hope, I hope he's found uh, matrimonial bliss this time around. Um, the other thing that I noted about Bert is when he came together with Nora, and they started negotiating, it was really um, sort of a, an old fashioned negotiation between two lawyers. It wasn't, uh, the clients did not have a, a, an opportunity to speak. Uh, the, the lawyers were just talking about their positions and their strengths uh, of their positions and whether they would be successful in court. And uh, 
you know, uh, most in a collaborative context, we would be looking at the interests and we would be asking the clients, tell me why you want to uh, be stationed in LA? Why do you want to have your home in, in New York with the children? And we would dig down into what's important and what motivates the clients. And we'd hear it from the clients and we would be helping them come together. But these lawyers didn't help them to come together. They just uh, added fuel to the fire and uh, made it more difficult for them to, to reach an agreement. So, um, yeah. So Brian, do you think Hollywood got it right with Bert? I, I think, uh, yeah, I think there's lots of lawyers like Bert. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, uh, I think uh, Bert has not had the paradigm shift and uh, didn't get he's almost, the, he's almost there. Yeah, he's, he's an, a natural. And, uh, you know, I think he should sign up for one of our trainings. <laughs> and we could get him uh, right on board because, uh, uh, and that's the other thing is, poor Bert, um, uh, he was not playing with someone who is like-minded. Uh, he, he had, a, he had a, a litigator on the other side. And often these cases go to the lowest common denominator, right? Which is that traditional litigation warrior approach uh, right. instead of uh, uh, um, the, the interest-based approach. Jonathan, what's your take on Bert? Yeah, I think, uh, um... He, he was definitely portrayed accurately. I've, I've definitely met lawyers like uh, Bert. Um, I think where he fell flat was Charlie didn't really feel like he was standing up for him enough. And um, I, I think he was outclassed by the other lawyer who was um, kind of running rampant right over him, right? And um, she had given her clients some very early and good advice to move the child to a new school, to get him settled in LA, to make all these great arguments about why LA is the home base. And Bert didn't really have a good argument against those things and basically said, well, you might as well just agree with what she's saying because there's nothing I can do for you. And that's when, uh, when Charlie decided to go with the more vicious lawyer. Bert, Bert was agreeing with him, saying, yeah, there's lots of space in L.A., so it seems like three-on-one at that mm -hmm. point, right? Mm -hmm. Abby, what do you think of Bert? I, I agree with what everyone has said. Um, I find he was too laid back. Um, there are some lawyers like that, of course. I find he was too laid back, and he, he's one of those people where he sees the good in everything and he expects the good in everything, or in everyone, and so that's kind of where he's coming from. He made a, uh, a statement um, in, um, when he met um, his client, something like, you know, in, in divorce, you know, you see pe good people at their worst. Um, and that is indeed true. Um, and, um, but I did not feel that, yes, he, I mean, he was compassionate. He recognizes where they were at, but he wasn't able to, assist his client to the extent that the client needed. Um, it was more, we're all gonna be good, we're all gonna be, it, it, you know, we expect everyone to act in a certain way. But as lawyers, we know that um, lawyers have different ways that they practice and we have different ways that we kind of even interact with each other, you know. And he didn't bring any of that to the table to assist his client to any great extent. Um, that's, that's my thought. 
Um, yeah, you'd remember in the, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna, you remember in the, um, when they had a one-on-one -on -one private meeting and he was kind of telling a story that his client didn't want to hear um, and wasn't assisting his client in any way. Um, so it just shows that, you know, yes, he's a good man. He's a, he's, he's a good lawyer. He knows, kind of knows what he's doing, but he wasn't being effective for his client, um, not in any, any real way. Not in the face of Nora, right? Is he had a different, not, in, not when facing Nora. Uh, Absol if, absolutely. You know, I don't blame uh, Charlie changing his lawyer uh, mm. when he when he uh, had to cope with who Nora was, mm. and uh, he uh, you know that totally made sense that uh, um, when you have a warrior on the other side, then you probably need to uh, um, get your own warrior, and, and unfortunately, okay. yeah, the sidebar, not, uh, with, the sidebar with Charlie where he's telling the story, and Charlie's looking at the clock, saying, "How much is this mm -hmm. costing me?" Right, this story. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I thought, sorry, go ahead, Jonathan. Well, I was just going to say that, like, I think Bert um, exemplifies the point that you really have to shop around to find the lawyer that works best for you. Because as Abby said, every lawyer has a slightly different approach. They all have different personalities. And like, it's so important that you find someone that, 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 you connect with and who's right for the job that you want them to do right like if if you're going to go with collaborative you need to find someone who's collaborative you can't go in with someone who's going to open up uh with a machine gun volley and uh you know everyone's going to be left wondering what the heck just happened and if you're going to court you have to have someone who's going to be firm but fair and make sure that they can prepare their client for the for all the things that court mean right and mm -hmm. You know, it was very interesting to see that, you know, we saw the couple before they met their lawyers and when they, you know, when they got through the other end, after they met their lawyers, they were completely different people yeah. because they had to be pigeonholed into this, um, this uh, role uh, in order to play the game at court. Yeah. Nicole was almost hypnotized by her lawyer. If she had hired a Bert type lawyer and we had two Berts, they probably would have settled it that afternoon. Um, my take on Bert, he's the closest in the movie to a collaborative lawyer. Uh, I like how he warns of the costs of the process in terms of money, time, the emotional stress. And he had a little side comment that wasn't really fleshed out in the movie. He said he wants to follow the truth. I think what he meant was the client's truth, right? What's important to the client, uh, as yeah. opposed to the other lawyers just dictating what the outcome is going to be. So I think, you know, they could have potentially fleshed that out a little bit. You know, we all kind of look for the truth. It's our client's goals and interests and underlying interests that they may not even know about. So I thought that was a nice little tidbit we got from uh, Bert. So the social worker, Nancy Jonathan, I, every social worker I talk to about this movie just rolls their eyes when they talk about this scene. <laughs> give, give us your take on Nancy. Yeah, you can add me to the list of uh, people who are rolling their eyes. Okay. Um, I don't think she did a very good job portraying a social worker. I, I looked into the actor who played um, her and she is a stand-up comedian. 
and and her uh, approach is a very dry humor where she's making jokes but she's not emotionally reacting to them and everyone's laughing because she's saying these really funny things but she's completely flat and that's kind of how she portrayed this character in the movie um she didn't really interact much with the family she didn't ask them any relevant questions um she didn't do anything to help uh the family feel comfortable or relaxed and you know when i'm doing my work as a custody and access uh, assessor um you know it's really important for me to do my best to to interact with people in a friendly and positive way to help them feel as comfortable as possible around them my goal isn't to go in and and help them feel like they're uh judged now doesn't mean that they don't all any, feel that way anyways um but I, i feel like she didn't do anything to help the family feel comfortable or natural and um but i do think that charlie and nicole's anxiety about the assessment was pretty accurately portrayed like they were both pretty uh worked up about um the interview and being nervous about that and i thought they did a really good job of portraying that um and and, and i love the scene i think he cuts his hand or his arm and he wraps it up he's bleeding all over the place and ends up passing out i mean i think i think that's what he felt like uh, the assessment was just, just yeah. bleeding him out just killing him to die. yeah i yeah. think that was certainly an analogy for the way he felt after she left mm. the room like um, for sure and that, it didn't also seem to fit uh like we we saw that scene uh we also didn't see uh her interact with the mom at all mm-hmm. and i would i would never do an assessment or it's very very rare um that i would do an assessment where i would only see one one side of the family cuz you just then don't get an accurate understanding of what the baseline for this child is if they're really hyper at one home does that mean they're also hyper at the other home and you also want to look at other things like school how they interact with their extended family like grandparents how they how they are in extracurricular activities so you really need to develop a really thorough and broad picture of what the children's life is like and seeing one parent at their home isn't really a good uh, but, indication of that and we in, we indirectly got the mom's take when she was getting prepared by her lawyer for the uh, assessment right we knew what her answers were but the lawyer prepared her to say the right thing uh-huh. Yeah. And the other thing is that it didn't seem to like we never heard about the what what impact this assessment had. Uh it was never talked about in the movie after that right. one scene where he's bleeding all over the place. Um so um I'm not really sure it added much to the story. I think right. it would have been better if they had had a couple of lines later on to indicate how this assessment had influenced the outcome. Well, I I was laughing uh at uh, during a lot of those that scene because of how she was behaving and so on but then I was thinking okay we know what the real world is like I wonder if other people are thinking this is what it what uh oh, social yeah. worker is oh my goodness this is not good scare the hell out of the parents I think procedurally is accurate right you get assigned a case management judge who doesn't know anything and they order a social work report or an assessment and they go from there so we do see a lot of assessments i think the actual substance of the worker sitting there in that awkward silence is uh, certainly not reflective of what really happens but what's your take abby i think the questions she was asking was also was 
you know, apart from everything that Jonathan and Brian has said already, the question she was asking was kind of disturbing for me because she wasn't focusing on the child in the dad's home. She was asking, and in, in a way, asking the child to compare. You know, what do you do at your dad's house and what do you do at your mom's house? So the child is in that awkward position of having to say what we do um, here and, you know, what we do in mom's house and what we do in dad's house. In fact, it was what we do in dad's house and what we do as a child who referred to it, my house. So there was a difference between um, dad's house and his real house, yeah. which is mom's house. And then um, she got into a conversation with dad as well and talking about space, how LA was better. Like yeah. I wouldn't have thought that that's something that should be happening in, in her coming to assess so, yeah. I mean, if a client came and told me that that's what's happened, I would be alarmed. I would challenge every single thing that she recommends. Because and her first thing, why he wants to be in New York. Why he wants, yeah. yeah. And that's not the job. Um, so, those, so I found that quite alarming. Um, I think they abandoned um, from the experience, kind of my take from it, because I, I, I'm being like Jonathan, I was like, what happened to her in the end? What happened to the assessment? And I think that the parties realized that this is not helping and they just abandoned ship. I don't think they took it to its natural conclusion. Um, it was nice for us to see the process that this is what happens or could happen, but it was so scary for the parties. They were like, we can't do this. Yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how I feel. I, um, I, it was, I liked it when uh, Charlie was getting prepared for the assessor's visit. And he was trying to put paintings everywhere and tidy up and out of, talking to his friend on FaceTime. Yeah. Well, what is this look like? Does this look homey enough and warm enough? And, oh. But the, the fear I'm is sure real. That very normal. The fear is real. I talk to clients about you know, getting a children's lawyer. They go, what the hell is that? They're going to show up in the lab coat and, you know, walk around our house. They, they just don't know. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I did like the um, the first scene of the movie with the mediator, though, where he's get the parents to um, come up with positives about each other. I, I really like that approach. It, it really terribly backfires for him because I think the mom's emotions about the whole situation are just too raw and she can't handle, um, you know, the thought of directly negotiating this because she's feeling so hurt about it and that's why she goes to get a lawyer so that that lawyer can kind of act as it as a go-between so she doesn't have to deal with charlie directly yeah. but uh, i did yeah. like the approach i i did too i like the approach and i've done it in mediations but i thought maybe uh, that that fell apart because of the power imbalance between the two you know he was the director in their work life and she was the actress uh, actor that was following his direction he always seemed to be making the decisions in the family and uh, maybe she just didn't feel like she could um just she couldn't be present in that mediation process she just because of that uh, the stature between the two of them in a, in a way but the flip side of that she was the director in their personal life right he can't order off a menu he she would tie his shoe up she can open up a jar or he can open up a jar so her role in the home is the opposite of that but i thought 
writing their their thoughts down about each other was a timely trick by the director. They open with that scene and then they close with that yeah. scene with, with her, with her, uh, her thoughts finally being read aloud by Charlie. But mm. yeah, Amazing. a nice piece of storytelling. So let's talk mm -hmm. let's talk to process questions. So Abby, we have this four-way in-office settlement meetings. We've all been there in some fashion. Uh, what, let's discuss that in Hollywood's portrayal of the settlement meeting. Do you think it was accurate? Did they get it right? What was your experience with that scene? I think the, um, the, the setting, uh, the trying to make people feel comfortable, all of that was, was quite accurate. Um, what, I, um, what I noticed was Nora was very much in charge. She took mm -hmm. control and she literally ran rings around the other lawyer and she, um, she knew her case and she knew or she, so she was much more prepared than the other lawyer. Um, and I say that because there was a question that was asked um, about, um, I think the guy was going to get a grant or something and he didn't even know that. Um, so he was asking his client, really? So it made him unprepared. So in a four-way meeting like that, um, both lawyers must be prepared, must have adequate information about what's going on so that whilst there might be an imbalance of power between the, the parties, there shouldn't be an imbalance of power between the lawyers and you should have the information at your fingertips. And, and any time you notice that any time uh, a conversation wasn't going, not many times, the way Nora, the lawyer wanted it, she would de-escalate and talk about water, talk about um, uh, the you know, space in New York. Um, mm. She got the, all the parties at the table, including the opposing lawyer, to be agreeing with her. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a skill. <laughs> yeah. that, was a, um, that was definitely a, a, a fabulous skill. What, what else did I notice about this? There was a... There was a um, the real issue, obviously, between the parties was mobility. And clearly, um, uh, the wife had given as much information to her lawyer, or maybe the lawyer got it out of her. Um, there was this Copenhagen trip um, where, in justifying why the parties should move back to New York, um, the wife was saying, well, we were supposed to come here for a year. We didn't come. The lawyer said, well, my client, my client's ex, uh, Bart said, my client's expectation was that mm -hmm. she would come back. Um, and clearly it, it, it demonstrated to me that his expectation and what they had agreed or discussed wasn't the same. Yeah. Um, so he kind of lost that argument there. So it, again, go back to the point. You, you have to listen to your client and understand your case, even in negotiation. It's not only, we don't, we don't only prepare when we're going to court, we have to prepare when we're negotiating as well. Um, and, you know, so uh, that's about it. I'll, I'll jump that's, in in a minute. <laughs> great, great tips. Brian, what's your take on the uh, four-way meeting? Hollywood get well, right? Yeah, I've, I've, I've seen meetings like that and, and uh, that's before I took interest-based mediation training, and and uh, and now uh, meetings are not like that. Uh, 
but that that was a very typical traditional meeting uh, where the lawyers are the mouthpiece and uh, and they're trying to persuade each other as to the merits of their case rather than uh, trying to understand each other understand help the parties understand each other and help the parties uh, find a, a compromise they were just trying to out bully each other uh, which isn't a very effective strategy when you're trying to negotiate and that's why yes you know it ended up in court uh, because they they weren't able nobody was able to bully the other person into submission often in those meetings we'll see a hot spot come up right and then they'll try to chirp each other on particular issues and then the clients just mm -hmm. go sideways right they can't agree on anything mm -hmm. at that point Jonathan, your take on the four-way meeting? I think uh, it um, demonstrates the power of having neutrals in the room, uh, which they didn't have, because mm -hmm. I think that if you had a financial and a family neutral in the room, yeah. they would have been saying, hey, whoa, like, hold up, guys. You know, we need to find some common ground here instead mm -hmm. of, you know, start the court process early by fighting about things so um but i, I you know i think that um the the character's reaction to those meetings was very accurately portrayed and mm -hmm. you know i really liked the fact that they included um the lawyers ordering lunch in the middle of it because you know the, the characters are feeling super tense super upset mm -hmm super powerless and all of a sudden someone's like oh do you want like a, a caprice salad or do you want uh you know this kind of salad and and the, you could see the lawyers just switch uh gears automatically which shows that what they're doing in the meeting is largely an act right they're not right. really feeling those emotions themselves but the mm -hmm. clients are like uh i don't know i want a ham sandwich like <laughs> Yeah, yeah was, and then and, and then uh, Nora ordered for Charlie, I think. Yeah. Yes. Then, Nora, sorry, um, uh, Nicole. Nicole. Because yeah. Charlie can. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, is banana bread, right? Are we going to have butter and <laughs> heat up the banana bread? You know, you get. That's the mm -hmm. that's the most important decision of the meeting, but <laughs> you know, I echo what Brian says. Really, they're focused on positions, and nobody's drilling mm -hmm. down the goals and interests. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of collaborative work. I had one of these meetings relatively recently where it was a four-way meeting and the lawyer didn't have training. And I, I was thinking, how the hell am I going to do this meeting, right? Well, you just walk in there and we didn't have an agenda. We didn't have communication guidelines. You know, all the things we're used to having in terms of structuring a good meeting. Uh, I'm th I, I, we ended up doing it using collaborative techniques, but I think Hollywood got it right. This is the way a lot of cases settle and get negotiated, probably more than half of them. And is these four-way meetings. Very rarely do they go to court. But that brings us into our next question, Brian, the court hearing. And oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead, Abby. And I, I was just going to point out, because also in our meetings, um, when it gets hot and tense, or maybe you want to have a, uh, a private meeting with your client, they got it right because they, they show that you can also kind of have a, a brief um, break from the meeting where a, a lawyer and client can go and have a conversation before they come back into the, into the full uh, meeting, back to the full team. So I think they got that right as well. And the client's question is always, what the hell just happened in there, right? 
they're mm -hmm. overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. They don't understand the process or what's going yes. on. They feel that it's going badly. And mm -hmm. for Charlie, mm -hmm. it was, uh, mm -hmm. but he didn't, he couldn't articulate exactly why. Um, That's right. So the court hearing, Brian, real or Hollywood treatment here? What's your take? Well, well, uh, there were elements of, uh, of reality, but it was exaggerated, as is often done by uh, Hollywood. You know, one of the things that was happening in, in that hearing was that essentially the lawyers were uh, giving evidence and uh, telling the story uh, of the, the clients without, without the, it coming uh, through the clients themselves by way of an affidavit or, or any other way. Um, and they were uh, really positional. And, but we've seen that. We've seen that in court. We've seen how uh, uh, people will do their very best to make the other person look bad in front of the court. And uh, they got pretty dirty. And I've seen that in, in court often uh, because you, you really, the, the goal, one lawyer who's actually become a judge, he said, your goal is to get the judge to like your client uh, and then they'll find a way to let your client win the case. And so that's what they both were doing is trying to make the other client look bad uh, so the judge wouldn't like the other client mm -hmm. and uh, that they would be sympathetic toward the, their own client. So yeah, that strategy is typical. And um, you know, it just, it, it was so, you know, when you think back to their uh, descriptions at the very beginning of the movie of each other, you know, there's none of that here. All it was is, is uh, twisting the, the reality, the facts to make each other look bad. Yeah. I'm going to jump in here. Where we practice in the Central East region in Ontario, the judges would never permit this conduct. Not they would they don't want to see it in the briefs. If there's an experienced lawyer throwing mud and talking trash, they will interrupt and chastise the lawyer and say we don't conduct matters in the court here. Having said that, I've been in provincial courts in Brampton where the hearings are exactly like this. Um, they talk people the lawyers are talking over each other, the judge loses control of the courtroom. They talk about poor conduct all the time. Uh, no, they're chirping each other. They say, you really want to go there? Yeah, let's go there. And then the judge lets them go there. And it's, it's I have no idea. Uh, maybe it was just the court that day, but I've seen, I think Hollywood got it right. Some courts are like that. Yeah. Superior Court in Ontario is a much more solemn, serious process. Judges would not let you uh, get into your second sentence if you started running a hearing like this, or even interrupting counsel is extremely impolite and not looked upon well. Um, so yeah, that's my take on it. What about you, Abby? I, I, I echo everything you say, um, but for the parties, it was a lesson. It was a lesson for them to realize that even the slightest thing as that I forgot to clip the child's uh, car seat into the car, which is not a big deal, which we did before we put the child in the car, it can be used against you. Yeah. So it made them feel extremely vulnerable. 
and you'd remember, we'd rem remember the, and, and now the party is the, the cordial relationship that they had at the beginning was in jeopardy. Um, remember when um, uh, Nicole went to the husband's home and the two of them were having a conversation and he broke down and she made a joke which she would ordinarily do, which was normal. And then she quickly say, oh, I was joking. Because now everything you say, however right. innocent, can be used against you in this dirty battle that they were having. So it was an eye-opener for, um, for, the, for the clients and it encouraged them, from, you know, certainly from experience as well, for them to say, you know what, this court process is not for us. We need to resolve. We, can't, we shouldn't go further because it's going to damage us even further. And it was clear that the parties still cared about each other. They just want to go their separate ways. Yeah. You know, it didn't need to degenerate into what it could have become. Um, so, you know, the courtroom decorum, yes, but I think the, the clients took something away from that. And in real life too, sometimes all you need is a first case conference, see how it goes, see what everybody says, see what the judge says and parties say, you know what, we need to resolve and settle the case, which is why we have more than 90, 95% settlement, in most cases don't go to trial. Um, it's an experience that people do not want to, um, wish they hadn't experienced, I don't want to continue for the most part. One thing I think Hollywood got wrong is the professional's responsibility to filter that out, right? Clients bring us all kinds of dirt, you know, they left the child in the car when they went to the ATM or They've got dirty pictures or text messages or whatever. We're, it's our job to filter that A and to focus on the issues that are before the court. And you didn't see any filtering by the lawyers in this movie. All you saw was them inflaming things and, and, and looking for things and even suggesting hiring a private investigator to find some more things. Um, so I think that part of the movie probably missed the mark. How about you, Jonathan? What did you think of the uh, hearing? Yeah, I think you, I, I agree with all three of you. Um, it really did make the uh, relationship between the parents terrible after that point. Um, and it when I was watching the movie, it kind of hit me. Ah, oh, that's that's why it's called Marriage Story because the story of the actual marriage and the story of the the court process kind of had diverged early on, and that's where it really became clear how different the two stories are the, the reality and what's being said at court and it does unfortunately happen like people throw a lot of mud at each other and complain about these trivial things like oh he doesn't put them to bed at 7 30 he puts them to bed at 8 like who cares you know like the, the kids are going to be fine whether they're in bed at 7 30 or 8 but but parents really get bogged down in these these uh small minute details and i, I agree with you uh russell that is uh a good place for the lawyers to step in or, or a family professional and say, hey, you know, let's not worry about that too much. Let's, let's keep the big picture in mind. And um, you can really see the, the personal toll that this court process has had on them. They're both mm -hmm. feeling extremely awful, ex extremely stressed all the time. And it, it does affect their interactions with the child as well. So mm -hmm. you want to keep that to a minimum. You know, uh, a, f a friend of mine who is a family law litigator, every case he took on was in court. 
he, uh, this was many years ago, he used to say uh, that the role of a family law litigator is either, you're either chucking or ducking. <laughs> and, and, and he, he uh, back those, in those days, we had uh, fax machines that actually had paper in them. And uh, when his fax machine started humming, he would sometimes jump under the desk and say, watch out, incoming! <laughs> That's funny. One thing I think this movie didn't cover off is this, you know, this Greek chorus idea where you have, it didn't occur in this particular storyline where you have family members or perhaps a new spouse or a new boyfriend or girlfriend also stirring the flames and pushing the litigation in a certain direction. Um, and that's, that could be a whole second part to this movie, but... Um, well, it was Nate, where there was some, a scene with Nicole and her mom, and Nicole's mom really liked Charlie. Right. And Nicole's mom even got Charlie a lawyer, right? Lawyer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you can see the tension that would happen, and that does happen, the tension within the family uh, happens when 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 there's a separation that's a good sure. point that was a bit of a great chorus you're right and she the mother wasn't yeah. a fan of her separating as well right so right so, so what about talk the bench in this case what about the bench the road the the way um the way this particular judge uh was apart from not having control in the 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 lawyers um, he wasn't helpful at all and that i think that missed the mark compared to what we do in uh in our courts Right. And he um, just kind of assumed there's a status quo, which there wasn't, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Yes. The bench didn't really provide any direction in this case, other than to order the assessment. Uh -huh. yeah. Often they would also try to steer the parties towards um, some sort of alternative dispute resolution process, right? Uh -huh. Try to get uh -huh. them to give mediation an honest try before they actually... Uh -huh start going through the court process mm -hmm. yeah. that's often the first thing the judge will say is have you tried mediation no mm -hmm. okay. go and find a mediator yeah so one of the issues central legal issues i think in this movie is jurisdiction and this concept of mobility mm -hmm. in ontario canada the test is where the child ordinarily is resident the court will have jurisdiction mom going to la for an audition does not change the residency in my child. Clearly the jurisdiction for this case which should have been New York City if we're applying Canadian law to it. And Jay was kind of getting to that in that first meeting. He said, grab your kid and file in New York because he, this, is, this is the exact point. Now the tide started to turn for Charlie a little bit. The fact that they once lived in LA or he was served in LA is irrelevant, but I think when Charlie agreed to let his son attend school while mom is continuing with the, um, with the auditions and in her film career, I think that's probably the turning point where you could say there's an argument that residency is now switched to Los Angeles. So that they don't really get too much into it in the movie in terms of when he made that decision, but had Charlie followed Jay's advice at the very beginning, it, the, char the child probably would have been returned to, my, to New York in my assessment. Uh, and mom would have been viewed as doing self-help in trying to uh -huh. commence a proceeding in Los Angeles. And I don't think many judges would have too much sympathy for mom uh, taking the unilateral conduct. 
but that's my take. What about what do you think, Abby? Um, I agree with you um, um, because the the jurisdiction was clearly not uh, um, LA. Uh, the child's certainly by Ontario law anyway. The the child's ordinary residence was New York. Um, as you say, if, if, if Charlie had listened to his first lawyer, he wouldn't be in that predicament. Um, but he did listen to his second lawyer. And, and, in, and I, when I was watching the but movie, was I was thinking, advice, right? <laughs> yes, I was thinking, yeah. what is the strategy here? Um, and I couldn't see the strategy. And it all fell apart at the, um, at the four-way meeting when Charlie said, well, you told me to. Yeah, you know, and and um, so, quite frankly, he followed bad advice. He should have he should have stayed. Uh, he should have taken the child and gone to New York. I mean, there's other things that Jonathan would uh, jump in and say about. Well, is it is it in the child's best interest to just grab the child? Do you do, do we do that to our children? That's a different issue altogether. Right. Um, but in making the decision, following his lawyer's advice, he blames the lawyer later. Um, in following his lawyer's advice to stay, he made that decision to, um, to allow mom and child to uh, reside uh, in LA, which, you know. That was fatal to this case. Like when they were in that settlement meeting and they had to break out, I even wrote this uh, down. Bert says, well, if I was representing you, you'd, uh, you should be doing this. And sorry, because you are representing me. You are representing me. <laughs> Yeah, so it was that was bad advice. There was yeah. no strategy there. There was like, what are we, you know? So, um, Brian, so yeah. what's your take on jurisdiction and mobility here? Well, I think you're right about jurisdiction, but I, the judges have said to me that the mobility cases are the most difficult cases they ever have uh, because the, ultimately the test is what is in the best interests of the child and. Uh, probably it should have been a New York judge and New York court uh, process, but uh, if the if the test was what's in the best interest of the child, uh, I think a court would struggle with that one. Uh, you know, there is some merit, uh, some some truth to the fact that the child was going to be with the mother, who probably had a a bigger role in raising the child than the father, and and that the. Uh, child was going to be with family in, in Los Angeles. There's a lot of family there. And uh, it was helping the mother's career for her to, to go to LA and have this opportunity. So, you know, it, these are not easy cases for judges uh, because they, they have to try to figure out what, what route this way or that way will be best for the child. And uh, it's it's not black and white. That's uh, that's why they get paid the big bucks to make these difficult decisions. And there's more space in LA, right? <laughs> there's more space in LA. <laughs> okay, Jonathan, your take on mobility and jurisdiction? Yeah, I I would agree with what what you guys have said. It's it's very uh, it's a very difficult case, and um, you know I think in this in this movie. Um, it, it demonstrates how small decisions that you think you're making for the best interest of your child and be amicable, amicable and then kind of blow up in your face later on. Because uh, Charlie did let Nicole move out to um, L.A. He thought it was temporary, 
but she enrolled him in a school there and she was, you know, spending, living with her mom and spending lots of time with her family. And then this became the defining um, sort of status quo uh, criteria that the, that the court then used to determine what is the best interest of the children or a child, not, not taking into account the fact that this child had lived for a significant portion of his life in, in New York. So it was, a, it was a tricky situation and, you, ha you know, parents have to get good advice very early on for their lawyers. Like if I let my partner move to Toronto with the child, how is that going to affect things later on? Or, you know, you always have this, um, tension early on in the in the separation where uh, one of the parents wants to leave uh, but also doesn't want to leave because they're afraid if they leave then that's they're going to establish some sort of status quo that's going to affect them negatively later on in the negotiations so these early decisions can actually have a massive impact later on down the road and you may not be aware of what they are unless you get really really good advice from from yeah. your lawyer you almost need pre-separation legal advice just to find out what your strategy is, right? So that's a great tip. All right, let's, this has been a great discussion so far. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We're not going to talk about scenes or character portrayals. I don't mind going first if you guys are good with that. Um, mine are kind of random. So for what, what did I have? For good, I had the settlement meeting sidebar. So this is when Bert goes into the room, he goes, uh, well, the way this is going, we may have to go to court, um, which is opposite of what he had been advising uh, Charlie throughout the course of his representation. But what I like about this is he realizes he's up against basically an adversarial lawyer and there's really no room for negotiation. And you need to take a hard look at positions earlier on to see if there's room for settlement. For some families, unfortunately, going to court may be the better choice if you have somebody who's going to refuse to compromise or if you come up to one of these lawyers who are overly litigious uh, and they're never going to settle in a, in a settlement meeting. Uh, for bad, what I found bad was uh, the service of the court papers without warning. As professionals, we often overlook uh, the effect court papers or a lawyer's demand may have on someone. Uh, clearly, Charlie was devastated when he was given the papers and we're kind of insulated from that. Usually we have process servers do the service and uh, we, we don't really get into that emotional aspect of when somebody actually receives notice that the relationship's coming to an end. And for ugly, my takeaway was the lawyers emoting their client's behavior or even taking actions that are not authorized. And, and uh, Abby touched upon this a little bit. You know, they taking positional or adversarial stances based on their own opinion or experience. Uh, they're not exercising dispassionate legal judgment or analysis. And Abby's example was a great one where the case was settled, but the lawyer tweaked the 50-50 to 55-45 because she didn't want the father bragging that he got 50-50. It was no longer about the family. It was just about the lawyer and her protecting her reputation. So um, the other really uh, ugly thing is he started to see the child slowly get alienated from his father and that relationship breaking down. 
um, which was really quite disheartening. And you can probably see that in a lot of the files that we deal with. So that's what I had for good, bad, and ugly. Um, do you want to go next, uh, Jonathan? Sure. Um, as I said before, my, my favorite scenes were the four-way meeting uh, at the point where they started ordering lunch. So it really kind of highlighted how lost the, the parents felt. And then the conversation that the lawyers had in the hallway uh, before uh, seeing the judge where, where the lawyers were friendly and chatting about weekend plans and the, the two parents were just so stressed. So going back to what you were saying, uh, Russ, you really have to be aware of how the clients are thinking and feeling about this and really be empathetic towards them. It's a really tough uh, process to go through, even if everything's amicable. So, uh, you know, we have to be really patient and kind and supportive of our clients in any way we can. And yeah, the, I, I did not like the portrayal of the social worker at all. I think it was, uh, I think most of the time, social workers and counselors and psychologists and therapists are not portrayed very well in the, in the movies. And uh, I, I really take exception to the way that she behaved with the family because I don't think it would have been very helpful. Abby, good, bad, and ugly. What are your takeaways here? So for the good, um, the good that I take away is with respect to the parties. And it's about right from the beginning through the, you know, go through the thread of it all. You can see how the husband and wife, even though the relationship itself had broken down, how they cared for each other, how they defended each other when, even when their lawyers wanted to, um, um, badmouth the other party, um, you could see that continuous thread that they cared for each other. And it's that, that care that ultimately carried them through to be able to kind of step out of the process and resolve the matter. Um, and if not for that, the, the, this particular process could have destroyed them as a family and have that negative effect on the child. And um, again, too. sorry? And financially as well. And financially too, because these guys can ill afford it anyway. Right. Um, I think the the care um, that they have for each other, the, the three things that I saw was, you know, she was in her home, she couldn't close her gate. You know, she calls yeah. the husband, the husband comes and deals with it. Um, she orders his lunch. Um, it is, and this is the middle of it, she ties his shoelace, you know, so you could see that you know, they had 10 years together. Like it wasn't just an absolute disaster, disaster at all times. Mm -hmm. um, the, one, the, the second good that I saw was what Jonathan alluded to earlier on with respect to the initial stage when they were at mediation. Even though mediation failed, the fact that they had written any, all the good things about each other that Charlie ultimately heard at the end or towards the end, I was one of the things that you could see, you know, he cried, it softened him because he hadn't really seen what, um, seen things from Nicole's point of view. Uh, and he'd never saw it because, you know, the argument they had in, the, in his apartment, you know, he didn't see what Nicole was going through. He wasn't able to empathize. But in reading that letter, he realized that she wasn't coming from a necessarily a bad place. Yeah. So that was a good for me. Um, so that mediation, it might have failed, but had that effect, good effect. 
the bad goes back to the lawyers. <laughs> and how <laughs> the damn lawyers. <laughs> the damn lawyers. And how the lawyers were with each other and the lack of civility um, in, in the courtroom. Um, because any, you know, you have someone who's never been divorced before and experiences that, you know, it leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. And whilst some cases might be like that, you know, I'm thankful that we are not, that's not what it is for the most part. Um, there needs to be civility between lawyers and, and, and even just the general public, even with the opposing party, there needs to be that civility. So that was the bad for me. Um, the ugly, again, um, goes back to the lawyers throwing mud at each other and using anything and everything. You know, do you want to go there? Do you want to go there? That was just ugly. Um, and again, I'm thankful that it's not something that occurs very often in our courts. And um, we, we try as better, and our judges don't encourage it, like Russell has said earlier on, that is indeed true. Um, so those are my, you know, good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah, it's, um, Nora, you could even see in the courtrooms taking her jacket off and getting ready for mm -hmm. a street fight, right? Yeah, like yeah. It, it was on. It, but it was so different yeah. in the hallway. They're huggy, kissy, coming to my charity event, right? It's like mm -hmm. real, real contrast there. But yes. Ryan, good, yeah. bad, and ugly, what do you got for us? Well, uh, the good was the, the um, statements that the mediator got each of them to write about the other. And uh, that was just heart-wrenching. And, uh, and how the, the last scene where, where um, Charlie, Charlie's son was reading uh, the, the, the uh, prose that had been written by Nicole, it just, oh, just really made me uh, tear up with emotion to, to know the depth of, of caring that they had for each other. And I guess there was a piece of hope there that they, that after that scene, you felt like, you know, they, they weren't too damaged by the process that they had gone through mm -hmm. and that maybe they have some sort of uh, relationship now going forward that was positive. And uh, they were separated and divorced, but there was still some, some connection, some ability to co-parent and, some ability to care for each other still in after all they'd gone through. So that was pretty good. One of bad, I guess, makes me, we've talked about this scene before where Nora <laughs> describes that uh, uh, nobody cares about uh, fathers being good. Uh, it's uh, uh, mothers have to be uh, above uh, reproach, but fathers can be, uh, uh, what did she say? absent and uh, unreliable and and that's okay and and she justified it on judeo-christian uh, um, uh, ethos so i thought that was that was a hilarious scene just hilarious and so well done uh, by by uh, nora and uh, the ugliest scene there was a scene where for me, it was very painful to watch where the, the two of them are in Charlie's apartment. Uh, uh, Charlie and Nicole are arguing and they're down and dirty and saying they never loved each other and how painful it was to be together. And um, the inner mediator in me wanted to get in there and inter intervene and stop it. And 
let me help you. Let's talk about this. Let's show respect for each other. And that was just a really, really painful scene to, to watch. And uh, it was an ugly experience for both of them. And, uh, you know, that just, just how they got to that point was very, very sad uh, that they would have those, that perspective on, on each other. And the, that was so well acted. It's just the raw emotion. And you clients say the worst things about their spouses, and just like they did. And you think, you love this person at one point. You're saying you want him to yeah. die of a disease and get hit by a car. He's like, yes. the emotion just overruns clients, right? And we've all experienced clients like that, especially where there's a lack of trust or a lack of communication. And that's where the lawyers come in, right? You can direct them to a peaceful resolution or you can fan the flames and send them off to trial. Right. Yeah, great, great tips, Brian. So we're gonna bring this train into the station. I think we've had a great discussion today. Uh, any final thoughts for our viewers or listeners? Brian or Jonathan, you wanna go first? Sure, yeah, I, I thought it was a great movie overall. Obviously I didn't, uh, like every single scene, but uh, like uh, you and Brian said, I thought the portrayal of the parents and, and all the emotional uh, roller coasters that they were going through was very well done, very well acted, very well written. Everything was scripted. None of that was ad lib. So uh, yeah. uh, I, I thought they did an excellent job. And uh, I think it's a real good eye opener as to why we do the work we do to avoid situations like that, to avoid making families worse and to, to make the emotional toll of the separation as, as small as possible. Don't worry, John and we're, Jonathan, we're going to still hire social workers despite the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you want to go next? Final thoughts for our viewers and listeners today? Uh, I thought it was an excellent movie and uh, it, it was entertaining, uh, but it was also truth telling. And there were so many elements of the of reality in that movie that it was, uh, um, that really resonated with me. And I think anybody who's uh, uh, practices as a divorce professional, uh, many of those uh, elements of the movie would resonate with them. And, and anyone who's gone through a divorce would uh, understand uh, the, the journey that they went through. So I thought there were many elements that were very truthful and, and helpful and, and interesting and entertaining. I thought it was very well done. And uh, uh, when I watched it a second time in preparation for, for this conversation, I, I enjoyed it just as much the second time. So uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. Thanks a lot for this opportunity to talk about it. Great tips, Brian. Abby, final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, I'm the same with Brian and Jonathan. Actually, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it was well written. Um, I think it was entertaining as well as um, educative as well. And it highlights um, the need for parties necessarily to get legal advice or get advice before they take certain steps. And also, um, I like the fact that notwithstanding that it's called a marriage story and the parties were divorcing, I like that it was written in a way that you you don't you know you couldn't choose who your favorite character was either right. the husband or the wife. It was balanced. There was, there was no bad person or evil. Person. There was no bad person. Or good yeah, versus evil. It was evil. balanced. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you can understand both their perspectives. You can understand why it didn't work. You can understand the need to kind of move on with their lives. But it wasn't, there was no victim and there was no villain. There was, you know, they, 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 it was written back to balance both perspectives and validate both perspectives as well. Um, so the woman will feel validated uh, because now her voice is heard and, 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 and the man as well. So that's my yeah. takeaway. That, those are really great. And um, I think I got more out of it the second time than I did the first time. The first time I had my own views in terms of what should occur and Charlie seeing at the end, I didn't fully get that part. But second time around and you listen to the lyrics, you know, there's a lot of meaning in the writing in the script. And I think it was really well done. So I want to thank everybody. I want to thank Brian, Jonathan, and Abby for joining us today and spending an afternoon talking about this subject. I want to thank- So Russ, I guess we're, all, we're giving them four thumbs up. Four thumbs up? Well, it'd be eight, wouldn't it? Because there's four <laughs> oh, yeah, So um, yeah, and I want to thank our listeners and our viewers on YouTube. You can like this uh, audio recording or comment on our YouTube channel. We'll answer any questions that you have. You can subscribe that by clicking the bell. You get notice of our upcoming YouTube videos and certainly share this with your friends and family. I have hoped you've uh, learned something from our perspective in terms of the professionals in this movie, A Marriage Story. And I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Thanks, Russ. It was a really great suggestion. I really appreciate you inviting Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Great fun. <laughs> thank you.